Hello everyone, this is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Friday, November 8th, 2019, um, 20 days after the New York Yankees were eliminated in the, um, in the playoffs, and I'm just about recovering. I, I figure another couple of months I will have recovered from that, um, and I tried to turn my attention to the New York Giants, but that's obviously a bad place to find refuge if you're a sports fan. And... Uh, the person who I'm having on the call, you can't see him, but this is he's being totally obnoxious, is Walt Mossberg, who's a diehard Red Sox fan. And Walt, ha you know, not surprisingly, has a, um, a Red Sox jersey or sweater or uh, on. Yeah, I can see it right here on the screen. And for just to, just to annoy him, I'm purposely not going to include video as part, part, as part of this podcast. So everyone knows Walt. Uh, Walt, thank you for taking the time. How are you? I'm great, and, I, and I'm glad to be here with you, Mark. You and I have been friends for over 20 years and uh, have worked together on a whole bunch of things, so I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on the call because there's just a lot of things going on, and uh, you know we could probably talk for two hours, but let me start off with one topic that I know you've been spending a lot of your, you know, your post. Um, you're still a journalist. You'll always be a journalist, but you're, you know, your post you know, I don't even consider you retired, by the way. I think you're still out there. I think you think you're Post retired. Post-columnist. Post-columnist. That's a, that's a good way of uh, phrasing it. But, you know, you've been very much involved in a very important um, area that um, I certainly think uh, the world of, and I know a lot of other folks um, obviously think it's very important, but you've been involved with this literacy project work for the last uh, couple of years, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about that and find out what's going on with it from your perspective. And first of all, what it is, for those people who don't know what it is, maybe we can go into a little little depth on that. So it's called, I'll be really quick about defining it, it's called the News Literacy Project, NLP. It was started about 11 years ago, so it's not a knee-jerk response to the 2016 election. Uh, and its uh, goal is to um, uh, educate kids, students, middle, middle schoolers and high schoolers in how to tell fact from fiction in the uh, information and, and alleged news that they see on social media and also to, to explain to them what quality journalism looks like, how it, how it functions, how reporters work, how editors work, what's in the First Amendment, mm -hmm. how journalism works in uh, some other countries, and it, and it really uh is designed to turn them into critical thinkers it's nonpartisan it's totally nonpartisan so what we want them to do is become engaged citizens who can uh, discern the information they're getting and be and be resistant to to the misinformation that's out there but then go and vote and we don't tell them how to vote or suggest how to vote so I can't tell you who they're voting for, but I, at least they're going to be more informed voters. Right. Well, and I think it's incredibly important because the way I kind of view the, the, the work of that uh, organization is they're kind of like the FDA for information. You know, it's, you know, it's one thing if you, go, you eat a lot of junk, but you should know what's going into the junk and what impact it may have on you. So I, I, I don't know if that's the right analogy, but, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, you're involved with that to make sure people are separating uh, information, fact from fiction. You and I have talked about this before. It's a critically important thing because, you know, people have a tendency of going on the web. They read something on Facebook. They, they, they take it as gospel truth, obviously. Right. That's a problem. What we want the, the students who take our, uh, we have a digital curriculum. It's now in all 50 states and over 100 foreign countries. And we want the kids, the kids who take that curriculum are going to be 
much more careful, and, and we have facts and figures to back this up. They are mm-hmm. much more careful about what they share. Their best friend may send them something. They like their friend, but they're going to have some tools that we give them for quickly assessing whether this is worth sharing further and spreading around. And um, that's what we do. And our newest thing, uh, you know, we've been focused very much on students and we still are. That is the key target for us. But we have a lot of demand from people who would like us to do things for the general public. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and we're really too small to take that on as a full time thing. We've been growing by leaps and bounds in the education area, but we're too small to take on the whole the whole of the population. Having Mm -hmm. said that. We're about to launch our first app. What we have now is a web-based digital curriculum that is being used in schools. But now we're going to launch an app, both uh, iOS and Android, Mm -hmm. around the 18th of November. It's called Informable. And it's a really kind of a brain training app on news literacy that anyone that's really... For anybody. It's for anybody. For anybody. Yeah, I mean, the students who take our class our curriculum the teachers can recommend the app to them but anybody can download it it's free and it really uh it it teaches you and then it tests you on uh questions like is it news or opinion is it are there are there is it is it based on real examples or is it not uh is it uh is it news or an ad because an astonishing number of people don't know how to tell when they see a native advertising sponsored content on some website uh, and um, and areas like that. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a it's kind of a tool that I hope uh, and, and it's got fun in it. You know, it's a, right. it's a, it's a quiz and, and brain training thing. And. We're hoping that uh, it'll begin to penetrate a little into the general population. So that's the kind of the newest thing we're doing. Oh, that, that sounds fascinating. I'm going to definitely check that out when uh, when it gets released. But, you know, you just said something that's very interesting because it's it's been kind of in the news for the last couple of weeks. And that's, the talk, uh, that's about, you know, online advertising specific to Facebook. There's been a lot of noise, you know, around, you know, that Facebook really should get into the business of determining, you know, um, the accuracy of ads, especially political ads. Um, what's your take on that? You know, because there are minefields there. That's just not an, it's an easy, you know, it's, it's not an easy binary, hey, it's a good idea or it's a bad idea. Uh, but, you know, you, you're the guy to go to in terms of you probably have thought about that quite a bit. And I'm sure you've got a, a point of view. Uh, well, I have a lot of points of view about Facebook, and I, <laughs> I've had them for years, and you know, I think very well that I've had uh, some public arguments with Mark Zuckerberg about privacy and other things on the platform. Mm-hmm. On this particular question, I, uh, I think they'd be much better off not running political ads at all, mm-hmm. uh, the, which is what Twitter has decided to do, and right. some of the other. Some of the other social platforms are leaning that way right now. I think we'll see some announcements. Um, I, I personally don't think Facebook is a company based on its track record and based on what I personally know about it um, is driven by anything but um, 
a desire for growth. I don't think they have yeah. any 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 mm-hmm. principle at all. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, but I think they'd be much better off if they just said, "Look, we're not going to be a platform for political uh, ads." Uh, and the reason for that is that I think a lot of people are uh, confused about the First Amendment. The First Amendment guarantees you and I free speech uh, from any interference from the government. That is, the government can't come in and say, uh, "You, what we're discussing on this podcast is for some reason in, in, improper and we have to take it down or Right, whatever. sure, right. Government can't do that. But it, the First Amendment does not govern what private companies decide to do. Uh, if you decide uh, to have me on your podcast or to not have me on your podcast, that's, that's my your call. call. That's that's my call, right? That's your call, and and that's your company's call. And uh, the same with the, the the say the Wall Street Journal where I worked, or the New York Times, uh, or uh, any magazine or TV show. They're private companies, and they have the the right to decide what they uh, what they publish. And and so Facebook is as big as it is. It is not. Um, it is not the open world. Yes. It it can decide what to what to publish. So mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg could have decided that on political ads, which by the way, even though they run a lot of them, are not an insurmountable number of pieces of content, um, he could hire people to say, oh, there's a lot, absolute lie in this ad. I mean, we know all politicians cherry pick and shade, you know. No, that, that, that happens. I didn't know that happens. Well. Yeah. No. <laughs> but but yeah. outright lies, uh-huh. which uh, sadly we've come to see much more of now, mm-hmm. uh, outright complete lies, um, you know, he could hire people to screen those, uh, he he has a whole big free speech thing against it, and I just don't agree with his reasoning. It, I I think the better thing for him to do, if I were advising him, would be to do what Twitter is doing, and just not be in the business of running political ads, right? And pay attention to the non-ads, the content, which is where the Russians and the fringe groups on both ends of the spectrum are are putting a lot of their emphasis not so much not as much as in, in in paid ads as they do in unpaid posts that mm. are that are disinformation or misinformation and that are more uh, difficult to figure out yeah no i agree yeah. from made up sources mm-hmm. fake newspapers things that they do and um so that's my view on, on no, uh, I, I, no i i i i'm very sympathetic to what you're saying because i i just get you know a bit wrapped up in you know if you're gonna if if any online entity is gonna you know make a judgment and on you know what political ad to run and what political ad not to run you know that everybody thinks about extreme points of view but then you get into even topics where there could be a disagreement on what a, what a topic might be and uh, Facebook or any company is probably not in a position to make that judgment. So I think where you, what you're saying, basically, in terms of just stepping out of the uh, political advertising component separately, which, by the way, from a financial standpoint, you're absolutely right. It's not going to wreck the company from a financial revenue health standpoint. You would think that, w- they, that, that they would take the high road because th- it is happening. It is a growing trend right now in the online space. That, that's what I would, what I would uh, prefer to see them do. And it's one of the 
areas where, um, and I don't always agree with him, but it's one of the areas where I think Jack Dorsey at Twitter has mm -hmm. made a ball. Now, a tangential topic to this is that, because I know you'll have an opinion about this, is you know Facebook introduced their kind of like their news capability. They're, I guess, they're trying to get some account. You know, they're trying to drive some perception that they're being accountable for the different types of news that gets posted on Facebook. Because as we both know, you know, there are many, many consumers that use Facebook as a news consumption device. You know, they may not be watching online news or reading on, online news from reputable sources like the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, but, you know, they'll see a crazy story and that will be their, their news, um, their news for the day. So, right. but, so, but what's your take? Are you a bit cynical about what they're doing in that area or do you think it's the right step in the right well, direction? I'm cynical about it. I mean, this is, on, this is the latest and maybe it's the most elaborate, uh, but it's only the latest of a whole string of initiatives Facebook's had over the years to deal with uh, uh, news publishers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they they uh, first they did Facebook Instant Articles, which were a way that your and 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 my columns ran in that format mm -hmm. because every every publisher had to break off a team of developers to change the back end of the columns or the articles so that they were compatible with Facebook's correct platform. format format right format and platform and what happened was when you clicked on let's just say my columns on Facebook um, they loaded quite quickly and they uh, loaded in a you know a reasonably attractive format that's pretty much gone away a lot of publishers bet heavily on that and that's uh, not worked out for them. Mm -hmm. Then there was Facebook Live, mm -hmm. where they actually paid, as they are doing with the new news tab, they paid publishers to have content on and do Facebook Live, have their journalists come on and do Facebook Live things. And then they stopped that, didn't, didn't work for the publishers, and Facebook decided not to spend the money. So that ended. So now what they're doing is taking the news, which is already on there in most cases, and just a, a kind of little uh, excerpt you see in a post, and then you see a link typically. They're, you know, and, and uh, they're taking it, putting it in a separate tab, and they're making a big deal about how they're paying what for them are totally trivial amounts of money mm -hmm. uh, to the publishers for being in that news tab. I have my doubts, first of all, about, first of all, I don't think it's about a real commitment to supporting journalism. I think it's a, I think it's a way to, as you put it, to look better, to change perceptions. Mm -hmm. Cause that's really honestly all they care about. Mm -hmm. They're under, as you know, they're under a lot of pressure, antitrust and regulatory threats. And, but from both, from both liberals and conservatives, Senator Hawley, who is a conservative, is on their back, and 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 a lot a lot of liberals are too. So mm -hmm. they're creating a news tab. Uh, I think it's a perception game, um, and I have my great doubts that once you're out of the feed, the regular feed uh, on Facebook, and you're in this tab, I have my doubts that many people are going to go to that tab. Maybe I'll right. be wrong. And right, right. For at least a while, people will go there for news. But you know, they're putting Breitbart in there, and 
and let me specify that if there if there was some left wing equivalent of Breitbart I could think of, I would mention it. So it's not it's not about where on the spectrum they are, but they're not a reliable news source. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they make stuff up and they and and um, out of whole cloth, and that's being put in there uh, and given the under the heading of news. They're telling people this is news, and you know they'll there'll be Wall Street Journal editorials, there'll be New York Times editorials, so that there'll be Fox News on there. But now they're also going to have Breitbart, which is way off the scale of what I would consider to be reasonable journalism. So I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's just another one of Mark's maneuvers, maneuvers. That's how I look at it. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. You know, there's Apple News where Apple also has Fox News on there, and but they don't have Breitbart. I mean, right. they're, they're, you know, they're curating. Mark is now curating. He he's said for years he didn't want to curate, but that's what he's doing on this news tab. That's he's right. Paying some people, he's not paying other people. He's letting some people in. He's not letting other people in. So he has decided to become a curator or an editor, which is fine. It's his right. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't trust Facebook. No, well, well, and, and I'll tell you, you the, the other area that I'd love to get your view on is that this week at the Ado- uh, the Adobe Max um, conference, which is a big for those of you online who you know listening to the podcast who don't know, you know, Adobe obviously obviously has a you know big hit of reputation in the creative professional full tool. Everybody uses Adobe Acrobat and Illustrator, and you know the, the list goes on and on. Photoshop. Photoshop is, of course, their big tool, and and actually, what what you know, I I was pleased, and I what was not so pleased, and well, I shouldn't say was not so pleased, but what was interesting about this week's announcement is that they are heavily betting for obvious reasons on AR and VR, and they are coming out, and I don't know if you got a chance to see it, uh, Walt, with some really incredible tools at the iPad level and the mobile phone level that are allow really going to allow the average person to do some really funky stuff around um, creating their own AR and VR type of applications. It's, it's really the next level of, you know, if I'm going to use a dated phrase, desktop publishing, going to go back 25 or 30 years ago. And the phones now are becoming much more sophisticated. Apple's got a new best-in-class uh, phone with multiple cameras. And the technology is becoming so impressive that, you know, you're going to be able to do a lot of creative stuff. But out of that comes, and I, my mind always goes to, boy, this could, re- you, know, you, t- you know, a lot of the stuff that you're focused on, Walt, is, you know, about information, text. When you start thinking about video images and, and photo images, you know, for years you, people can doctor photos. But when you start thinking about you can doctor videos in a very um, effective, realistic way. Yeah, deep the, the, fakes, the, they call the it. Deep, yeah. Yes, the deep fake stuff scares the crap out of me. And, yeah. you know, and what they did announce, which I thought was a step in the right direction, that's really what I want to get your take on, is the announce, you know, announces, uh, I like the name, the Content Authenticity Initiative. It sounds like something from a Star Trek uh, sequel, but it's essentially a partnership with twi- a Twitter, the New York Times, and, and, um, and uh, Adobe on you know, tagging content so you know where those video and, uh, videos and images came from. There's some attribution to it. So you know, let me turn the floor over to you. You got any thoughts on that? Or? So I don't think we can stop the march of technology. If Adobe didn't do these tools, somebody else would do these tools. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, both Google and Apple have a, some some AR tools already and yep. clearly are on a path to do more. Uh, I don't think we can stop them. So given that, uh, I don't think, I do think it's a very good step to mm-hmm. try to create what will probably just be the beginnings of authentication of the original uh, video or the original image or the original, you know, piece of, of visual content. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you know, the old word we used to use for still photos was watermarking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right. kind of what it is. And I think anything that gives readers and publishers and participants in social networks, and I'm an active participant on Twitter, for instance, gives people like us uh, the ability to say, you know, geez, before I tweet this thing, um, am I, am I, do I know that is the content this, is, 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 is genuine? Is it genuine? Is it genuine? I mean, right. it looks like a crazy or, a, or a really interesting or a really, uh, damning or whatever it is video. And I want to tweet it, but could it be a fake? Right. I, I, you know, I just have a limited ability to, to tell mm-hmm. this, this might assure me that I was sharing uh, with my Twitter following, which is pretty large, uh, something that's legit. And mm-hmm. so I think that's good. Um, and if it's if it works out to be, uh, and you and I both know, not every technology works out, but if it works out to be good, um, I hope other companies will adopt it and I hope other publishers will sign up for it. And uh, uh, so I, you know, I think in general, it's a positive step. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with you that the AR and VR, particularly the AR stuff that can be done, is uh, is a real danger and a real risk in the political climate we live in. And um, but I just don't think that can be stopped. I don't think it can be stopped. And so what we need is some form of authentication, and I'm glad they're doing it. Right. And well, and and you know the reason why I. I feel as strongly as you do about it is that, you know, video gets clicks. You know, people have become lazy over the last 10 years because of the smartphone. And when they see an image or a video, they will, the, the click-through rates, you know, on video content and, and photo content is much higher than it is on, on pure text. And um, there's going to come a point in time when uh, that, uh, whether it's a political figure or whether it's a celebrity or wh- who, you know, you name the particular subject, and it's already happened in many ways, where stuff gets out there. And as you know, when stuff gets out there, it's it's hard to pull that back. And providing some capability to the average consumer or to a publisher or to a journalist that authenticates the content in some way, it's got to be a positive first step. And I hope everybody, you know, all the, the, the I have all the major content folks jump on that because I think it's a big deal. Yeah, you know. I agree. Um, in the few minutes we have left, um, have you gotten your hands on the new AirPod Pros? Um, were you online in the first in store to get one, or did you? Because uh, I know you're an Air, you like the Air, you like the the original AirPods. I know you were. I love AirPods. I have I have a few pairs actually, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I use them all the time. Um, I did order and receive a pair of AirPod Pros. I played around with them a little. I'm not an audio expert or an audio file. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm not going to give you a uh, 
audiophile's perspective, but from my perspective as a an average user and an, and and somebody who uh, you know has used a lot of headphones over the years because of my job, mm-hmm. I think these do a, a a good job, a decent job of of a noise cancellation, and uh, the uh, the way they have set up for you know quickly touching the stem and going back and forth between what they call transparency mode, which You're right. I mean, everybody who does this has a mode like this where you can hear somebody when you need to uh, or go back to complete isolation if you need to. I think they've done that well. I think the way they've done the silicon tips, which is obviously an, a very old idea, nothing they invented, but they have them so they kind of click on and off, which I've never quite seen before. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think they're fine. I don't think they're, I don't think they're a mainstream everybody product. I mean, the regular AirPods, which I think you would agree, you tend to see all the time now on the street, um, are are expensive enough. I mean, they're a hundred yeah. bucks. Right. Uh, but, but I would argue that you can make case they're worth it if you have the money. I always mm-hmm. have to say if you have the money, mm-hmm. I'd rather see you you know, pay tuition or buy food or whatever you have to do them buy the next or, tech or, thing. Or, 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 Yankee, or Yankee season tickets, make an investment Yankee like that. Yankee season tickets <laughs> from, uh, or, 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 or take more New York Giants season tickets. You get, you, get, you get a good deal on those tickets right now. For those of you listening in the audience, you'll get, you can sit on the 50-yard line for, very affordably at a New York Giants game. But go ahead. Very sorry, affordably. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, in fact, Mark's season ticket sales are the sponsor of this podcast. But um, so, so I don't think another hundred dollars. I mean, they're actually not out of line for noise canceling wireless uh, 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 earbuds, which you know Apple can easily get way out of line. But they're not. They're mm-hmm. they're sort of in the general price range of what those things cost. That price range is expensive, and I don't think they will be for everybody. My, uh, I, I, I own now own a pair. I do like them. I have used them. I imagine that in my case, I'm going to save them for things like uh, flights, where mm-hmm. the engine noise and the other noise just becomes difficult, and not probably use them as an everyday thing. But that's just me. I mean, you know, there will be plenty of people using them as an everyday right, thing. Right. Uh, I just think, you know, uh, the regular AirPods do let in noise, but it doesn't bother me. It does bother some people a lot. And uh, it's really very much an individual individual decision. Mm-hmm. But I think Apple has done a great, there's now a lot of competition, but I think Apple has done a great job of uh, giving people both in the case and in the and in the pods themselves, strong battery life and convenience and good sound. And there's actually, as you know, and your listeners may know, there's a custom chip in there that makes That's right. mm-hmm. instant Bluetooth pairing with Apple products. And by the way, they work on other people's products. Yeah, products they, too, right. Absolutely, yeah. They just don't mm-hmm. instantly pair. You have to go through the normal Bluetooth pairing process. But... Uh, with an Apple product, as you have seen, I'm sure yourself, you open the case, 
and whether it's an iPod, iPad or an iPhone, it'll it'll instantly put something on the screen and it just pairs it. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's got a lot of Apple smarts in it and it's a, it, both the original ones and this new one are, are good products. And in their business, which I know you pay a lot of attention to, these products, which are lumped together with the Apple Watch, which is a su- very successful product. Hugely uh, successful, hugely successful. They're both, they're both yeah. successful yeah. in their categories. You know, their categories are such that they're not, don't have the kind of impact that something like a new iPhone class of product would have. But they're very, very successful products. And I, I think the margin is probably quite good for Apple on them. And, the, and they bring in a surprising amount of revenue. I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize that the lesser Apple products, if they were broken out into a separate company, like Apple's wearables category is what, Mark? 15 billion a quarter yeah, now. No, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's, a hu- it's a huge number, you know, and I... And and I, I the Mac is like, it's a footnote. People don't even talk about it, but it's... Right. It's over, it's still over 20, 20 uh, billion a billion, quarter. Billion, and that's these not even talking about, and their services, which we're going to talk about in a second, their, their video services. So these are, things yeah. would be, these things would be Fortune 500 Companies, companies by itself, by themselves, exactly, that, by themselves. That right. is how big Apple is. Yes. These, these lesser things would be Fortune 500 companies on their own. They'd be in the somewhere in the 200s or 300s, but they'd be somewhere on the Fortune 500. Right. Well, I mean, again, you know, I I, I, I was lucky to get a pair. And I, I am an, an AirPod um, guy. I, you know, I probably, in the work that I do, I have multiple different types of headphone devices, and I, I, the, the, the original AirPods were the first ones that I could at least wear for about an hour before they got a bit irritating and they would, I couldn't keep them in my ear, but they would fall out of my ear. And the new ones, because of that, uh, that, that new tip approach they've taken, which everybody else has done, you know, it has kind of solved that problem. It kind of seals your ear. They've got the noise cancellation, which is great. Um, I, I think it's going to, I just wrote about it in Forbes. I mean, they're going to have, a, I think, a blowout uh, quarter, frankly, uh, just with sales of, of these new pros because they are... Uh, they are, you know, very easy to use. They have all the Apple touches that you alluded to. They're very easy to use and pair. You know, there's not a lot of, um, you know, not a lot of complexity to it. Uh, the the only downside, and it's not a function of really the AirPods, it's a function of the form factor, is that if you really want really, you know, extended battery life, you know, 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours, you've got to go to a, um, a Bose 700 or something like it over the year because you have more real estate for a bigger battery. You know, it's, it's basic well, physics. Well, even, even Apple's yeah. uh, Beats uh, uh, wireless noise-canceling noise ones um, get about twice the battery life. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It's a it's a real estate issue. Um, I, uh, I just to close this because I know you want to move on, but uh, I am one of those people where they never fall on the original ones. Never fall out of my ears mm-hmm. and never hurt never hurt my ears. So I can use them until you know all day. And if the battery begins to fade on them, and I'm on a phone call, let's say, rather than listening to music, I can use one at a time and put the other one back in the case and. 15 later, 15 minutes later, it's got 80% of its charge back. I can put that one in. Right, right. Back in case and keep going on a series of calls. And it's really quite, quite a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I do want to move on. But, you know, the other point I just would make, too, is that what I really do like about the new AirPods is that they, they, um, 
they added beam forming to one of the microphones in it. And you, the, the, I'm not using it right now for this podcast, but the microphone capability, especially in windy conditions, I found really much improved over the original um, AirPods. So yep. overall, it's a great product. But you know, one thing I do want to close out on, though, before we end the podcast, because I know you've watched it. Well, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm sure you'll tell me. You know, Apple, you know, finally, you know, kind of premiered their uh, Apple TV Plus services with all their new programming. And, you know, I was of the opinion a few months ago when they had that big announcement early in the year, Walt, with a lot of Hollywood firepower, you know, everybody, anybody who was anybody in Hollywood seemed to be at that, that big event that Apple hosted. I was a little concerned that the Apple brand would not allow them to do really good, compelling, edgy content. And the only program I've watched so far, and I just wrote about this in Forbes, which I was thrilled with, and I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it, because it's real, to me, it's like, this is what the... This is what good, um, it's alternative history can be because it's very rich in um, dialogue and it's very realistic. The special effects are great. Is this for all mankind? You know, I got a chance to watch the first three episodes, of the, thir the third episode premiere today. Uh, today. Uh, and I thought it was uh, thrilling. I just think the, 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 the production values, um, it's certainly, it's, you know, it's, it's probably edgy PG-13, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe an R rating for language and some other things. But uh, it, it just kind of demonstrates to me that, uh, that they're doing a lot of, uh, they're, they're getting a lot of talent, you know, that this is not going to be a fly-by-night type of content operation. The, the, and I, I think you've watched the other, I think I saw a tweet from you that you watched the other, you saw, you've looked at the other programs, the... Um, the one that they the morning, yeah. yes, exactly. The morning show, and I haven't had a chance to see that yet. But uh, I just thought—I don't know if you got a chance to see for all mankind, but it was really thrilling to me. I it's did. a thrilling thing. Um, so those are the two uh, that I've watched, and I've watched three episodes of each. And I agree with you. Um, I think you know there was a lot written that Apple uh, did not want certain kinds of language or certain kinds of stuff used. Boy, you watch those shows, and there's plenty of oh yeah. Them and yeah. not in a gratuitous way. I mean, no, it's not Quentin. It's not Quentin Tarantino. It's not Quentin Tarantino. It's, it's actually <laughs> no, it's not. But, it, but it's but it's but it's very natural, and it's very uh, and the production values are fabulous. And I honestly have I've tweeted this. I don't understand why a lot of the critics were dismissive of these shows, or at least mm -hmm. eh, you know kind of met on them. I I think these two shows, which are very different. Um, are both high quality shows. Mm -hmm. They're the they're not the Sopranos. They're not Breaking Bad. Uh, that's not to say Apple won't have a show like that. But these are these are shows that I could imagine being on HBO in its in the, the old HBO. Right. Uh, and mm -hmm. maybe not the best show on HBO, but somewhere in the mix. And Apple has, and that's what happens when you hire. Uh, really good writers, really good directors. I mean, big name directors and writers, big name stars to act in them. People who really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think uh, I think these are uh, you know, depending on how many people watch them, these things are, are can be are are going to be important uh, important television. Uh, having said that. Um, I think from a strategic point of view, you know, Apple is practically giving this away. Wait, four ninety nine a month. That's right. yeah, and, free, and free and free if you've got an Apple if you bought yeah, one I of the mean, new Apple phones. It's really it's really pretty free. Yes, pretty a lot much. Of people. And 
and and I mean, there's millions of people that are just going to get it free, and the rest of them are going to get it for the price, not much more than the price of a latte a month. And when did Apple charge four ninety nine for anything? I right. mean, you can't even buy a cable in an Apple store four ninety nine, <laughs> and uh, well, you can't you can't buy an adapter for four ninety nine. Right. No, no, no so, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bar, it's a bargain. And what from, that you know. tells you is that this is, and you know, we all, we both know this, and other people have written it too. This is not Apple deciding. I mean, it could change over time. I don't know, but at the moment, it doesn't seem to me like this is Apple deciding that it's a huge new business for them. Instead. It's another way of lo looping people into the ecosystem and selling more mm -hmm. uh, iPhones and, and iPads. And, and that's really what, it, and I should say, I don't think it'll have much effect on Mac sales, but it, it does run on Macs too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't run on AirPods. You know, you have to have a screen, but um, uh, that's what I think it is. And I think... They're very conscious of their brand, which is a pretty pristine brand. Most, I mean, the annual surveys, best brands always have them either winning it or coming in second or something. And the top three brands, right? Yeah, they're very conscious of it, and I think the quality of these shows is uh, consistent with that brand. But they haven't made, uh, you, you know, young adult. I mean, these are serious adult shows, and mm -hmm. people say adult words in them. And they do adult things. People have, yes. you know, people break their marriage vows. These shows. <laughs> That's right. They words that adults say. And you would not look at them, if you didn't know it was Apple, you would not look at it and say, oh, somebody's come in here and really censored this down. That's not no, what No, 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 no. It's not, you know, and they did it and they've done it, at least, you know, based on the... Um, on for all mankind in a very non gratuitous way. They're not just throwing it in there just for the sake of no, throwing it in there. It's what you, know. you would expect people under that yes. kind of pressure and at that time in history to say and do. And um, so I agree with you. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a, uh, it's a good just move by uh, Tim Cook and his uh, content guy Eddie Q and the mm -hmm. people they brought in from Sony Pictures to run it and. Uh, I, there's a couple of other shows out there, and I haven't seen any of them. Uh, one is called Scene. Uh, what's the Scene, other one? Yeah, the Scene, and the other one is um, uh, um, Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. Dickinson. Uh, that's gotten that's, that's gotten good right. Uh, that's gotten good reviews so far. Based on I haven't again, I haven't oh, really? watched it. Yeah, no, it's gotten some good writers. I have watched these two, and they're good. And I think you're right that uh, as we're recording this podcast, the second uh, the, or the additional, the next episode, because the, they're doing these. They're, Episodically they're going every week, to a once a once a week format instead of a, a Netflix uh, binge binge approach, right? Once. Exactly, yeah. So, well, hey, listen, we're already at thirty nine minutes, uh, Walt, and I don't want to take up too much of your time because you're going to bring up the Boston Red Sox for next year, and that I'll have to cut you off. But listen, thank you for your, all your time. Anything, any remaining thoughts on your mind? Uh well. There's a lot, there's a lot going on, but no, not on these topics. And, um, you know, I, uh, I just, it's, you and I have spent many hours over the years talking and talking not only about whatever product you were, uh, you were, uh, uh, responsible for, but also talking about tech in general. And 
that's how this has felt like. So I've enjoyed it. Well, it's always fun talking to you, Walt. And I, I do appreciate your time. Uh, please um, uh, uh, follow uh, more insights and strategy on our usual social media suspect partners. That's Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you, Walt Mossberg. Have a great weekend and take it easy.